I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it 2022. Jesus Christ, time is going by, Brian. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know how we do it on the Rant Room? On the show, we keep it... On the show, we talk about entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Uh, Chris Derrick is out today, but um, we got an awesome guest in here for you. With you, t- I'm off today. Jesus Christ! Riding on my scooter, it's getting hot outside. <laughs> it's gonna be one of them days. Uh, anyway, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a dope episode today. Got my friend Brian Austin, CEO, founder of Script Hop. You guys have heard us talk about that several times. We've done an episode or two with him on on this show. Um, and we'll see them more and more and more on this show, especially especially as time go on. And, you know, we're talking about some sponsorship down the line, you know, so we'll get into some stuff. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Brian Austin. What's happening? Oh, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, actually good to see you in person the first time. We, I know. We got Yeah, we, we've talked numerous times, mm-hmm. emails, Zooms, and uh, yeah, first time in person. So it's yeah. funny. I'm sitting here looking at you at the table and I'm like, oh, this is how I'm used to seeing you. Because <laughs> I only <laughs> see you from the table up. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's taller than I thought he was. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I present well on Zoom. Very, very tall on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you are recently, so you live down in, in, in the South Bay now, right? You just, just recently moved to Irvine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OC. Uh, from Seattle? From where? Portland. Portland. Yeah. I always think Seattle. I think they're similar. They both rain a lot, um, but, but okay. Portland, Portland rains less. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I thought it was the same. <laughs> How much I know about that, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been it's been a huge change for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, like like Portland is an interesting mix of I, I kind of almost think it like a miniaturized New York meets New Orleans in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's got it's very dense. It has a lot of culture. Um, I was just up there visiting a few weeks ago, right. uh, walking down there was like <clears throat> a street fair and listening to just like random music on mm-hmm. the street. Somebody out there with a saxophone right. or some xylophone band or something like that going mm-hmm. on and. So yeah, I, I really like the culture. The food scene is great. Mm-hmm. Um, in the news, you hear a lot of a lot of rough stuff about it, but I don't know. Maybe that's what gives it the sort. <laughs> maybe that's what makes it attractive. I don't know. Right. But uh, anyway, so yeah, just uh, um, the last few months, uh, moved down uh, to Irvine, uh, moving in with my girlfriend. So so that's a, a did you, bit of let, change. Let me ask you this: Did you did you did you meet her there, or did you guys meet? We, she actually, so she was visiting up in Portland on New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. uh, 20, I guess it was 2019. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, we, um, uh, she ended up coming to the building that I lived in. We were having a New Year's Eve party. And, uh, so we just happened to to meet at that party. And so, yeah, we, we dug each other. I was coming down for a a work meeting a couple weeks later. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we decided to, we exchanged numbers. 
um, you know, we met up and then we just really dug each other a ton. And so I, I was having several meetings coming down. So I was down every few weeks okay. and then, and then so COVID, it went on for a little while before you just, well, moved in. it went on, yeah, it went on for a bit, but then COVID <laughs> hit. And oh, this so before COVID, this, this was a few months before COVID. Oh, yeah. no, I thought it was during COVID. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This was a few months before COVID. Mm-hmm. Where, so everybody was out having a good time. And then right. she was actually up visiting uh, me in Portland when mm-hmm. everything locked down. And we, you know, you saw every, all the stores were empty, uh, nobody on the street, everything like that, which is really interesting for Portland to see it that way. Mm -hmm. And so then we just had to be long distance and not be able to see each other too much, but it was a very interesting way to start a relationship. And so, yeah, now, um, finally, uh, moved down here and, and we're down in Irvine now. And Irvine's very different from, <laughs> yeah. very different from Portland. <laughs> I, uh, she, she actually has a joke. Uh, I don't know if she'll appreciate me saying this or not, but, but she, she says that, you know, Irvine is just crystal clear, pristine, everything. She, mm. she always says no bush goes untrimmed in Irvine. <laughs> so anyways, I go, I go by that, but it's, it's a different. Leave, leave it to Beaver's cousin over there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I find it really an interesting place because, uh, like at the end, end of every exit on the highway is some strip is some giant mall you know oh, right. like every exit right. has a giant mall mm-hmm. and the other thing you'll appreciate this uh, knowing how much you like cars and everything mm-hmm. there's something on there's like uh, signs of donuts and cookies being done uh, everywhere on the streets in, in there and i'll hear that i'll hear that at like two o'clock in the morning sometimes <laughs> like some idiots out out my window mm-hmm. doing cook ripping some cookies out in the, the intersection <laughs> and yeah so i don't know what it is with that but that's funny <laughs> but everything else is i mean a lot of sunshine um you know how far are you guys in the beach uh we're about a good maybe 10 15 minutes from laguna okay so yeah Not bad. yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah um so i'm, I'm digging that part uh, that that part's that's part, pr- pretty good. The rest is kind of an adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. She and I are doing awesome though, and mm-hmm. uh, so now a lot of it's just like focusing on work and you know getting getting my own shit straight right. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, at least at least now you can drive to L.A. and you know uh, uh, Hollywood, whatever you know, and have in-person meetings when you need to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just have to plan your day. Yeah, that, that was the hard part. Like <clears throat> yeah. trying to start this company in Portland, I'd mm-hmm. come down for a meeting and I'd usually try and like fly down and fly back same day just okay. to save money and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like you get on a plane and then all of a sudden you find out the meeting got pushed or canceled <laughs> or something. It's like, God, you know, you end up t- yeah. taking a whole ride down and back for, yeah. for no reason. That's Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So this is much nicer. Um, uh, I did have to buy a car, though, coming down. Mm. Um, oh, you didn't have a car there? No, Portland, man. It's all like public transit. Everything's really? walkable. Uh, yeah, it's great. So I, I went for a couple of years there without having to. I lived in the, the like the city, so okay. I didn't, everything was really easy. So I had mm-hmm. to, yeah, actually had to get a car for it's, the first time. It's funny because I tell people all the time about how I moved to LA and I got really lazy since I've been here. Really? Yeah. Cause I, I came from San Francisco. So living in the city in San Francisco was completely different where I would walk, for example, I'm not sure where you got off on the freeway, but I would walk from here to wherever to jump on the freeway. Okay. Without even thinking about it. Yeah. Now <laughs> I wouldn't drive around the corner hardly to go do something like there's a there's a Trader Joe's around the corner and a um, Smart and Final. Uh-huh. I get in my car to go there. It's <laughs> yeah. literally around the corner, you know, shit like that. Like I'm yeah. so lazy here, you know. It's ridiculous. Well, I also kind of compound it because like I haven't had a car for a while, so it's right. like, oh, this is kind of fun, man. You know, I'm like, <laughs> drive, like, I get to drive my car, Mr. Independent. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's that that part's been a bit of adjustment for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's been um, yeah everything else. Uh, Going, going good on that front for sure. So let's talk about 
Um, let's just tell everybody a little bit about what script hop. See, I told you I'm off today. <laughs> what script hop is, and I know you guys have a new 2.0, 3.0, 2 .0. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So just to kind of give a um, just a, a high level on it. So script hop, one word with an H. Mm -hmm. Some people might think it's with a T. Script hop. Um, so we have a platform that allows writers when they're trying to go out with their scripts to bundle all their pitch materials and even create their pitch materials and have that interact with the script itself all in one distribution essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so right now it's, it's currently with a link. And so the, the beauty of it is it offers a lot of features that if you're going out typically today, you'd be sending out an email, you'd probably attach your script in the email as a PDF. Yep. You'd probably have to maybe create an attachment or two, like a Bible lookbook, something like that. Mm -hmm. And probably a giant ass email that, that would go with it. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to read the email half the time they'll maybe lose the attachments at some point. Mm -hmm. Maybe when they forward it, half your story gets lost, you know, what you're trying to convey. Um, so with Scriptop in one link, uh, it, it packages everything you need to, to uh, convey what you're trying to um, pitch for the project. And it's really cool, just even in the document side. Um, so the nice thing is whenever somebody clicks the link and clicks to view your script, they always have the most recent revision. So that's just a huge headache. Right now, when you send out an email, I've heard so many people thank me for just for the simple <laughs> feature that like, oh my God, Scriptop saved me from the embarrassment of, you know, I, I, I screwed up a page in the script, I need to mm -hmm. fix it, and to have to go out with another email would have been really embarrassing. So, so well, let me, let me ask you about that. So say I've already, you know, posted my whole script and whatever on Scriptop. Mm -hmm. I sent it out to said producer and it hit me that I did something wrong somewhere. I could go in and fix it and before they even open it, they still look, they're still seeing the same thing that I fixed. Correct? Uh, they're seeing your changes. So right. yeah, so after you've gone in and fixed it, right. yeah, that one link persists. Mm -hmm. So any changes you make between when you send it and when they open it, right. they will see the most recent stuff. That's good. See, I mean, I, I think every single writer can relate to that. Yeah. And I mean, every single writer. Here's. Here's how simple it is. I think I might have told you this before. It's this simple where writers think about scripts like this. Say I'm sending a script to you, right? And I start some reason, like when I send out a PDF, sometimes you'll open up the PDF later just because you remember you sent that script to such and such. And you'll just start scrolling through it just because that's who we are as writers. Mm -hmm. And you might go, oh, shit, there's a space there. Oh shit, there's a whatever there. I forgot a vowel. Whatever, you know, I spelled they instead of there. Whatever the thing, right? And in your head, it is killing. Exactly. Yeah. It really is. Yep. Because you feel like you're going to be judged that you're not professional anymore. Exactly. I, I, I'm a little OCD. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually probably a lot of OCD. Right. But like one of the things I'll, I'll sometimes do, I'll write up an email, I'll spend way too much time examining the email, <laughs> and then I hit the send on the email, uh -huh. and then like an idiot, I'll go into the sent items, open it up, and read it again. Yeah, And yeah, that's when that. you start finding all your problems. <laughs> that's, that's exactly when you start finding it. Um, so yeah, I mean, part of what we do is it'll, you know, it saves that embarrassment, but then as people keep interest in your project mm -hmm. as they go forward, like maybe it's a month later and somebody clicks on the link you sent them, maybe you attached an actor and that is now in your description. So like right. not only with just the, the script itself, you can send the, you know, send all your documents. If you got a, a lookbook Bible, you can attach that to it and it'll right. all go in the one link. <clears throat> but we help people build materials to pitch uh, their work. In fact, um, we've been kind of referred to as an online Bible builder lately. Mm. And it really wasn't a lot what we were kind of going out with, but mm -hmm. it's, it's been kind of put our put on us that that's 
what a lot of people are thinking of us. And that that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, and that and means anybody can do it. Exactly. So that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah, and and I've seen I've seen some of your uh, lookbooks you've gone mm-hmm. out with, and they look stellar. I mean, they look mm-hmm. amazing. But then I'm asking, it's like, how'd you do this? And you're like, oh, I put a ton of time and money into that. You know? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and so what we are trying to do is create more of a standardized way that people can put the materials they need. Our system helps guide them to make sure that they're somewhat industry standard and ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we make sure that, um, like, these are the sections that you should be filling out. This is a lot of description about how you should be filling these things out. Examples, all that stuff goes into it. And so what we really want to do is make it so people can not have to worry about the desktop publishing. If you're a writer, you might be more just with words. You might not be fantastic about layout and Mm -hmm. design and stuff like that. So we handle all that stuff. We just present your information in a beautiful manner that is predictable in mm-hmm. the fact that when somebody receives one of our packets, they know when they want to see the synopsis, they know not to have to go to page 30 or something exactly. in, a, in a huge yeah. pitch deck. They know exactly <laughs> where to find it. It's an easy scroll and we keep people engaged. We allow them to dive in where they want. So like, for example, when you describe the world mm-hmm. uh, in a Bible, um, sometimes people get very verbose in describing maybe a, well, like the, the, one of the examples that everybody talks about is the Ozark right. when that went out. Uh, the Bible in that, they actually talked a lot about the Ozark, which makes sense. But when you see it, it's a lot of text mm-hmm. and people just don't have that patience anymore. When they see five paragraphs they have to read, guess what? They're probably... That's how, that's how we feel about scripts, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we allow you to be very t- high level, but then offer points where people can dive in mm-hmm. and like click a link and up comes a, a pop up so you can read more if you want. Otherwise, it just keeps people engaged going forward. Right. We allow people to put imagery and stuff like that. Go as much as you want. We just only really kind of re- recommend that people put just two images in. If you're going to be creating a Bible, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of work to, to pack images in all those pages Agreed. and to make it look good. Right. Agreed. So we're trying to make life easier for people and to still be able to convey all what they want and give them so much more control over the experience. Like when you put something in a, and put your PDFs in an email, you hit send, it's gone. You don't know what happens to it. You don't know who sent it elsewhere Mm -hmm. with us, with a link, you get tracking. You see when people click the link, you can, if you're concerned that it went to the wrong people, you can create specific links to send to certain people Mm -hmm. and you can kill that link when it's done. So they lose all, all access to it. That's important. That's important. That helps a lot. Because it could even work the reverse of the, the same analogy I was giving you earlier where you sent out a script and realized there's some typo or something you didn't want to be in there. And sometimes there's even things as small as this, and only writers will understand this. Like, there's some projects I work more closely with my manager than I do with my agent on. Mm-hmm. And some of them have both of their names, and some of them have either or. And you may forget and send out the one to with the agent that was going you know, that the manager was running and be like, Oh shit. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) things like that happen, you know, and some writers I'm sure can relate to that. I can, cause I've done it. Right. And so at least, you know, you can go, Oh, I could kill that. Yep. You know, and then resurface that again and, you know, rename it as whatever bubble. You know what I mean? Those like little things like that are very, very helpful because those are, it's the little things that happen. Exactly. You know, that, that consistently will, will help a writer be mentally in a better place, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I just want to talk about Scriptop just a little bit, um, just so people knew, knew, remembered who you were, those people who listened to your episode. And also, um, um, one of the things I love about it is, and I'm, 
certainly not a Luddite by any way. I mean, I'm clearly on, you know, social media and whatnot, but I'm not the most technical person. Okay. I was doing something (laughs) yesterday and I literally thought this, this is how I work. I went, I wish I was as smart as Brian Austin was, because then I would know how to do this thing. <laughs> it was some tech shit I was doing. I, I was trying to figure out something on my computer, and I was going, I wish I knew more about this, but I don't have the time or the brain cells to figure that out. And one of the things I love, and I said it before, is being somebody who doesn't necessarily know how to do the work. I could tell you what I want. Yeah. You know? And that's the other thing a lot of people don't know, is they can literally reach out to you guys and be like, hey... I want to build this Bible or this this pitch, you know, with a visual pitch deck, and you guys could guide them through. Our support you know? is stellar. Right. Yeah. Right. So there, there's also that thing there. So when you worry, because I think the only thing, and you've heard this before, the only thing that slows people down is taking the time to find the images they need. Yeah. You know, that's the only barrier. But if you ever plan to do it, you have to take the time to find the things you need. Exactly. So... There's really no real loss there. It's just a matter of you taking the time to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it, it's been really interesting. Uh, so we launched this version 2.0 earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and it was a massive <laughs> upgrade for us. Right. Uh, we really went full on in television. We added a lot of features. Like, like there's a lot of people who love to do things like put imagery or music mm-hmm. on their script. But that's kind of a no-no. You know, you don't really want to send out a script and buck the buck the trend. But with us, um, as long as it's like somebody's viewing it in our viewer, uh, they just see little subtle icons on the, the left margin of the script. It'll indicate, hey, there's some music here. Right. So like you can have somebody click on that as you're going into the next scene. And then all of a sudden music will start playing. And we, right. we actually link it through to Spotify and Apple Music. So you can get the 30-second free trailer. So you don't have to worry about copyright. That's good. All that kind of stuff's in there. You want to put image you want to put video you want to put just audio notes like hey this is what you're thinking about for this scene mm-hmm. you know we do all that stuff so it was a massive upgrade for us and you know one of the big things that we learned when going out with this is um, that a lot of people are still just kind of wondering what it is they have to do when like somebody tells them they have to make a, a Bible uh, we have a new staffer and she, uh, she just got signed at like CAA and Gotham and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing. And, and her career is doing, doing nicely. It's Gotham right there. Oh, really? That's right <laughs> yeah. out the window. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but so, but one of the first things, you know, it's like found, she found out a script wasn't enough, mm. you know, had to put together a Bible and even, even at her level ended up finding that, you know, she was still a little unsure of what all the materials that went into all that. Mm-hmm. So we're really, one of the things we learned in this last release, we, we created a tool that's kind of like Keynote. You know, when you go into it, here's all the functionality on the left side to build as you will. Right. And we help guide people through a little bit of that. But what we've learned is people need more guidance. People are really wants, wanting something when they go to it that is kind of holding their hand. I mean, the experts and everything know how to how to put a lot of this stuff together, mm-hmm. for sure. But um, we're finding that the guidance is just such a, a, a thing that is needed now. Sure. And <clears throat> it's, a bigger, it's a broader topic, but I think just the whole notion of pitching is changing so much. Uh, and, and, and to make it worse, the thing that's, that, that's changing the, the, the most is every company is developing their own thing now. Yeah. You know, as you see, <clears throat> you know, like Netflix has their own style and they've, they've blasted it out to the world so everybody can see here's what we want. Yep. In our script, in our in our pitches, you know, and, you know, Showtime, HBO, everybody's starting to go. Disney is like, here's what we want, you know, and if you read them, you're like, 
oh, so they start with that and they start with that and they start with that. It's all the same thing. It's the order yep. that's a lot different. You know, and some have more focus on characters, some have more focus on whatever. You know what I mean? So that's the thing you start to see is, but knowing them helps. Yeah. And what I like about Script Pop, it at least allows you to be in control of doing even a combination of that if you want it. You know what I mean? So so they can fit in any one of those categories. You could rework it to fit in those categories. You know I mean? We'd even love to get to the point where, you know, we're we're just more more and more we understand, you know, about the needs of the industry, the more we're trying to, you know, bring technology to, to help with with a lot of these problems. Right. And yeah, that's the thing, you know, the, like if you're putting together a, a, a pitch deck or a Bible, you know, all that stuff is kind of set in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, where with us, we just ask for the information and then we can present that in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways we want to start doing that is to know that if, say, Netflix wants to read your content, it could restructure it differently for them. Um, that That's not currently a feature at the moment, but that is something that's like on the radar that, that we could end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that'd be that'd be pretty powerful. But but just even still, still even just today for people to understand what is kind of being required of them just in some of the basics. Uh, there's just so much education to, right. to be done. And, and that's why our our what we're going to be plotting for the summer is a another big update where we kind of we sort of take a turbo tax approach you know i mean nobody wants to do their taxes and but you, Wait, know, you have to do your taxes yeah <laughs> <laughs> the cop, cops are out there for you um but uh, but anyways the uh you know the the idea that something can guide you through and ask you the questions mm. and help you build this material, mm. and we just find that that to be such a, a a useful thing out there. So that's kind of our next big step. What nice. we're doing for for the platform. Okay, dope. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. So what? So now you're here in the L.A. area, Irvine, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, what do you What are you learning about yourself these days? Since you've been gone, since oh, you've been gone, since I've been gone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the crazy things for me is like I, I grew up as a massive introvert, mm. and uh, oddly enough, uh, I ended up going the technology route. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are kind of on the similar age front. You're, you know, you remember the movie War Games? Of course. Yeah, when that thing came out, I was hooked. Okay. I was, I wanted to be a computer programmer from <laughs> from that day, and and so. But it would work for me because I was always an introvert and liked being alone for the most time. Mm-hmm. All, all sadly, all through high school, I like never went to a dance. <laughs> I, I I took a job. I took a job. At a I little, love these stories. I know, man. I, I took a job at a little mom and pop video store, mm. and th- this place was great, by the way, too, because mm. it had. It, this was a like you walked in. It smelled like smoke, uh, and and like they had. Wait, this, wait, wait, wait! You could smoke in places back in the day. Is yeah, that yeah, place? yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, like, we had like this this shelf that had like all the new releases, and mm-hmm. like right next to the shelf, there was this big binder full of all the porn. <laughs> and and so you'd have like the families you'd have the families over there looking at all the new releases and then you'd have some guy coming off the street that looks mm. pretty suspect and he's just like <laughs> flipping through this binder and 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 calling out titles as he as he'd want them That's and hilarious <laughs> yeah but i actually dug that job so much uh even all through high school i had that and mm. instead of going to the dances and stuff like that i'd be working there at mm. night and saving up money and then also just i just dug when people came in and they like 
nobody knew what kind of movie they were. They always walk, come in, wander around. Mm-hmm. I always start a conversation with them and just find out what kind of mood they're in. And I saw, at that point in time, I was able to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I became like a, a, I don't know, a shaman a or something like that for, for, yeah, <laughs> for helping people find, find what they're looking for. Right. And so I was always just a huge fan of film and television. But I was always like an introvert. Then I ended up going into, uh, I, did, I did a little stint to college, dropped out, mm-hmm. took a job in Portland that um, was uh, a software developer. And okay. I had enough chops to get in and at least kind of get that job. And I did everything else was learning on, on the job. Mm. But my life was still very much dealing with like being an introvert, even my programming, I was like kind of off in a, you know, the office looked like a cave and I was <laughs> off in the corner programming, just me and me and the machine and everything. Right. And so uh, one of the things we could talk about maybe a little later too, is like, like I, I, I was almost crippled with anxiety mm. and stuff like that. So it was really hard for me to kind of get out of my shell to, to do different things. But, but let me ask you something just about that really quick though. <clears throat> Does it have, and I know Seattle and Portland are two different places, but in my head, did you say that it rains less in Portland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Still a lot. Okay. Because I always picture my husband was in Seattle for for like three years or something at one point before he met me. And he always talks about how he would get so depressed because the sun wasn't out. Yeah. So the vitamin D. So that as soon as you said that, I was like, is it because you're inside a lot or like what what was what do you think that well, was? Well, so so your husband though, <laughs> he he lived elsewhere before he moved there, right? Yeah, yeah. He's from he's from Scott Scottsdale. Yeah. So that's usually what I find happens. Like like people from California or something, mm-hmm. they come up and they tour Portland. They just on a, a little trip for summer. Right. They fall in love with it. They're like this is gorgeous. They sell their <laughs> they sell their like summers in Portland are beautiful. They come and they see all the weather. They see the people on the streets. They mm-hmm. love it. They sell their property for a ton of money down here. Then they that goes a long way up in Portland. Mm-hmm. And then winter hits, and <laughs> then like like just month after month of just kind of this this gray uh, rain misting. <laughs> Climate change has done it done a lot of changes. A little more tolerable up there now, right. but back in the day it was certainly that. And so I always wondered, like, was I somewhat immune? Were you born there? I was born there, okay. so that's why I wonder if I was somewhat mm-hmm. immune to that because you know I've always been been. That's all you knew. I never felt a seasonal depression okay. um, right definitely it's a it's a very solid thing I've seen mm-hmm. people go through it a lot but no I think I, I was just I just dealt as a kid um, as soon as like puberty hit and all the hormones were raging and everything that's when all of a sudden I started getting like crippling anxiety depression all that kind of stuff I was barely functional to go to school mm. and some days all I just want to do is stay at home like I'd be in school I'd almost feel like I'd just start crying or something. Wow. And it was it was very tough. I, my my home life was great. My parents, mm-hmm. beautiful, loving brother, parents. Brothers, sisters? No, no, only child. Oh, so okay. that might have had part of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like my parents create a very safe kind of environment. And so whenever I'd kind of leave that, the anxiety and depression and everything like that would, you know, really, really surface a lot. And Let me, let me ask you, I'm yeah. interrupting you a little bit. We're having no, a I apologize. Um, cause I'm trying to dig, I'm trying to figure out some shit, <laughs> trying to learn who my, Brian, my Brian's therapy session. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Brian, um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you and I are around the same age. Uh-huh. What was it like in Portland in the seventies? Right. Was it like, cause like when I grew up in the Bay, <clears throat> you know, we were all out on the street and playing and you know what I mean? And everybody, you know, that when the, when the street light went out, we all had to go inside. It yeah. was like <clears throat> that type of a neighborhood. And so, you know, it's coming out of the 50s and 60s, so everybody was still living a certain type of lifestyle. Of course, I lived in the hood, but it still had that respect of, 
you could ride your bike and leave it in the yard. Nobody was going to steal it because yeah. we knew who everybody was. Yep. Right. Years years later, you can do that. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean. So I'm just curious to know, like, where, could you said sometime you spent a lot of time alone. So I was like, well, were you not one of the kids who were out hanging in the streets, like with the kids? Like, what? That's what I'm trying I, to dig I, into. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I actually, I I was able to like you know hang out with the other kids, riding bikes and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I did have a small clique of friends uh, at the time that yeah, I was. That was a gang, with. y'all. That was a gang. Was, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that was the gang. That was the gang. And so yeah, but that was the deal. Like yeah, like um, people just go out and you know maybe your mother, maybe your mom would come out in the middle of the night screaming mm-hmm. your name down down the <laughs> down the neighborhood. You know, it's like you never see that today. But, <laughs> right. but uh, you know, yeah, come home for dinner or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I, I was able to maintain close friendships with a small group of people that I had. I actually did okay in school. People I don't think really knew what I was dealing with mm. because I, I kind of compensated by being the class clown mm. and, and all you that. You always had a smile on your face or something? Or? Always had a smile on my face. Mm. Was always kind of one of the easier ones to get along with. I never really had any enemies or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that part went good, but it was just kind of that every morning getting into like that that mode of right. doing that was was really a lot and so uh after when, it, when that stuff first started kicking in for me around the sixth grade mm-hmm. um the parents were clueless and they you know back in those days they didn't nobody nobody talked about going to a psychiatrist right. that's for sure yeah. and there was no real cool drugs or anything like that that uh you know you could take to be prescribed at least <laughs> and, and every, everything was like oh they're just being rebellious yes. about shit you know when you're quiet or you don't want to talk or you know yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, when it got to the point that it's like, all right, we need to take this kid to the doctor, you know, it wasn't even going to a psychiatrist first. It was actually the, mm. the like, what's physically wrong with this kid? <laughs> and he got the gout. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I remember like they, like they put me on lithium. Really? You know, what, is it, what does that do? I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly don't know to, to this point what it does, but it, you know, it alters mental function. And mm. for me, what it did is it just really dulled any emotion. Mm. Like you kind of turn you into a zombie. A little numb and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it kind of, kind of had some side effects to you that were annoying, like, like sure. massive dry mouth and mm. that kind of stuff. But, um, I was on that for probably sixth grade until towards the end of high school. Oh my God. Yeah. And wow. it made me functional. I was able to kind of get through all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, yeah, my, I think probably the, one of the big moments was, was my father. He, mm-hmm. he told me he went through a lot of this stuff. And as did his father, so my grandfather. So it was hereditary. Hereditary, yeah. Huh. And my mom's a bit of a stress case too, so that probably, <laughs> that probably didn't help that, that I get I got both, you know, going into it. But two for one, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, I, I'd heard stories that my 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 grandfather, my dad's dad, mm-hmm. had such anxiety and stuff like that that he could mostly only eat applesauce for a while. What? Like like you know, most of the time it would kind of like for me it really you know, get you in the stomach and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so for him, like he had to basically just eat applesauce. That's, he was a stress case and he ended up having a debilitating stroke mm-hmm. uh, later in his life. I think he was, I want to say the sixties or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was a really little kid. Uh, and so how he, tall are you now? How tall am I? Yeah. Uh, six foot. Okay. I was about to say, you look like you're about at least six feet. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The hair, <laughs> the hair gets a little more, but um, <laughs> you don't have that advantage. <laughs> Sometimes I wear my weave, you know, but, but anyway, so yeah, it was all through, you know, my, my family's side that, mm-hmm. that did that. And I remember my dad telling me that he said, he said, look, you're, you're going to, you're becoming a man now, you know, it's up to you. Do you want to try and stay on this stuff or do you want to try and get off 
these 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 meds and i don't know that'd be the best advice given today knowing what we know and everything but back then you know it kind of appeals to you know being a man being strong Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing you know you know you don't want to you'll get over it you'll get over it exactly (laughs) don't don't cry um but uh so anyways i i slowly went off like meds and after Mm -hmm. when i went into um when i graduated high school went into college for a little bit and then went and like got my first like professional job Mm -hmm. um I really had to struggle to learn how to deal with these things without, mm. um, without medication. And so all this comes back to your original question mm-hmm. here where you're asking, it's like, you know, what is, what do you find some of the biggest challenges and changes right. that what's happened in my life the last <clears> few years, <throat> especially. So kind of taking it back more current, you know, I was this quiet developer who came up with this idea <laughs> for script hop and I was very passionate about it. Right. And so I ended up having, uh, um, you know, like evenings, all that kind of stuff. I would, I would work on the project and everything, but to get it to the point where it is today, I had to really get out of my shell. Mm. And so I look at what I'm doing today, even something like here, coming mm-hmm. here and talking with you, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, showing up on a studio lot, going to a professional office, sitting out on a podcast of all God dang things. I'm, I'm not sure how many people are listening to this, but I'm, I'm just going to think that's nobody. So this, that's what I'm telling. I know that's not true. I know that's not true, but I'm telling myself that right now. Okay. Um, but I think, uh, you know, that's been some of the biggest changes because all of a sudden I got propelled from having this small software product that I built that was quiet. Mm-hmm. And then I got myself connected to being an introvert Shane Black I know getting connected into the industry (laughs) was was like monumental Mm -hmm. and um, my my first big contact was my my co-founder Scott Foster Uh, you know Scott he's Mm -hmm. he's a fun dude he um, he ran the story department at UTA I gotta have him on the show I keep forgetting oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he 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 talks a lot he would Mm -hmm. he would be a three-hour show Um, but uh, anyways you know so so like working with him and everything you know we had to go take some pretty big meetings and mm-hmm. like right off the, the get-go we we started with untitled entertainment mm-hmm. and then they really kind of dug what we were up to and started setting up all these meetings so mm-hmm. uh in one trip i came down and took like like meetings with so they got they represented you guys or was that what it was they they basically liked what we were up to and mm-hmm. wanted to try and open doors for that's us cool. and nice. so yeah it's not like a an trip. ally that's nice exactly yeah more of a <clears throat> partner than than representation okay. um but uh, yeah, our guy there, Jason Newman, um, okay. he is really interested in technology and how that can push, um, you know, entertainment and all that kind right. of stuff. He, he's pretty smart about all that. And he all of a sudden we're taking these meetings with um, like uh, high level agents and everything at, mm-hmm. at CAA. Uh, we I'll take it back. Our, our first product was um, something that showed off like AI and mm. was meant to be a library tool for studios, agencies, hmm. production companies. And so we were asked to you know go and show that off demo it it wasn't ready for anybody to use yet mm-hmm. it was a kind of a demo at that point but technology worked <laughs> and so everybody was curious to see it mm-hmm. and so i even like when i took a meeting at uta um jeremy zimmer mm-hmm. uh was like in there wanted to see what this looked like right. and um and so i all of a sudden was being put into these big meetings with some high level people and it was stressful and everybody's watching you everybody's watching me man i'm sitting there like trying to demo demo the software i'm like they can't see it because i angled the laptop just right but the fingers just shaking you know as 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 i'm like trying to move move on the trackpad and they're probably seeing the mouse up on the screen just moving all over the place but uh but yeah i think that that's been kind of the biggest shift for me as a Mm. just a human being having gone from being 
just so introverted mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff to now taking Hollywood meetings and going to uh, more stressful situations and me, running a company too, CEO. Let me I say mean, this. That's a lot. Here's the interesting thing too, because I mean, I've, you know, I, I came, I was an actor before, so I've never been like somebody who's like, oh my God, there's Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like it yeah. doesn't really phase me, but it has, here's, here's the, the only time I'm nervous is when like I'm asked to interview, say, four people or something like for example i just did for the writers guild podcast i just interviewed um um like two huge 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 producers right that i never thought i would meet unless i was on their show or something right and i had just two and i had to you know talk and i was nervous in my head and the, the screen came and we did it over zoom the screen came up and i saw her and she was looking gorgeous. I said, look at you and your gorgeous, your gorgeous self. And I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to be me. And she said something back, and I was gone. It was auto, It was already gone. You know what I mean? But just for like a split second, I was just a little worried about, you know, this particular person. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, like that's yeah. that person. But it's rare for me. And the reason is, piggybacking off what you're talking about, I've done this so many times. And and I don't know if you know. You see, we just sat down and started talking. Yeah, this is what I do. I don't write shit down. I listen. Yeah, and I try to find the questions that I would want to know. You know what I mean? Even if it means sometimes I interrupt you because that's a normal conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so that's all I do. I just and the more I do it, the more I'm more comfortable because people always go, "Boy, no reason you're good at pitching because you have a great mouthpiece. You're great at talking." I was like, "But doing this made me even better." Yeah, you know, and being a better listener made me even better. You know what I mean? And listening to the show every single Monday it comes out, I listen to it again. You know, even though I just freaking did it a day or two before, <laughs> you know, because I'm also trying to listen to see where I can get better. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I'm always telling podcasters, you got to be listening to your show. You got to, you can't just trust that what you heard was live and that's what it is. You got to be going back and going, oh, I talk too much. Yeah. You know, like I let Chris go on on runs for five minutes. Sometimes as you hear, sometimes it's too long. <laughs> I keep telling him, listen to the show. Um, but it's because I'm supposed to be listening. I'm the host. Right. right. So if my guest goes off, I let them go off unless something sparks me. Like I just interrupted you, Mono, you know, anyway. Um, this is interesting. It's fascinating. I, I wanted to get into your psyche. You know, what's going on with you? I, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of it for me has been in the last several years, I've just become more of a student of other people. Mm-hmm. I think when you, especially when you build a company, you have to know who your audience is. And so like trying to get in more of the mind of like the screenwriters and things like that, um, you know, it's, it's maybe be more open. And when I have to, you know, starting a company, you have to deal with all sorts of different people, whether it be investors or clients, all this kind of stuff. You really have to have just a solid sense of, of who you are and who the right. people are you talking to and just how to be, be in the moment. Right. And I, I'm just fascinated by, I become fascinated by people. Uh, how social, how technology has changed us all from, you know, now, now we're all packing around iPhones that we can't stop looking at yeah. and social media and what that has all done to the human condition mm-hmm. and, you know, just engagement, you know, how people, how some people, especially younger people that grew up with all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you and I 
like geez most people didn't have a computer you know when when we were when yeah. we were growing up yeah. i learned typing on a typewriter <laughs> me too <laughs> jsdf jkl semi <laughs> whatever that was asdf yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and I, I do remember typing they, they actually brought in um computers for the first time and these were all do you remember the radio shack computers oh, yeah. the the trs 80 everybody called them the trash 80s <laughs> and, and and we were all like trying to learn like oh this is so modern you know we're learning yeah. on these things um, look how fast it goes <laughs> I know yeah, exactly, <laughs> but you know, like growing up, that does, mm. I don't think I would ever trade my childhood for what people mm. experience today. You know, that freedom no, no, going no. out on your bikes and yeah. coming home with dark and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I and just how excited were you when a video game system came out? You know, it's like and that it was, was like boo. Boom. Oh, I know this. Paul. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought it was the shit. <laughs> yeah, but it was amazing. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I'm just fascinated how technology really ch- has kind of changed people, mm-hmm. and I see it, you know, weaving it into screenwriting a little bit. Just like I would hate to have to be going out myself with a script these days, just mm-hmm. knowing people don't have time attention spans and things like that to 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 sit and really take in something and read something anymore it's it's hard and then and then there's so many more people out there in the game now Mm -hmm. uh trying to kind of break in um you you have to to you have to draw on their curiosity and that's what what i like about what what your program program does is it allows the reader or the viewer to be able to go oh what is that you know oh i like that photo Oh, I like that image. Whatever the thing, you know what I mean? It could draw you and all that. The title isn't, isn't very strong, but the image is strong. Let me see what that is. Whatever yeah. it is, you know, because there could be negative draws, you know, because some people don't title the shit right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could just be something simple as that, but the image you put up there could draw them in. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, so little things like that, I think, are super important. Yeah. yeah. I, I think getting into the, um, uh, you know, people's brains, just like how mm-hmm. people function anymore. Um, is is critical to yeah. being successful as a writer or any any other career mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Um, you know, you really just have to have a sense of how people function anymore. You know, the gone are the days of sending out three giant paragraph emails to people about You're things. Right. You know, I, I try. I spend most of my time like, how can I do this in one sentence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, I, I find that just to be uh, all. All this just kind of culminates into just me along with what I focus on with my company and all that kind of stuff, I really have become one of these persons as I am halfway, you know, I'm halfway through my life as they might say mm-hmm. at the halfway point and trying to figure out more like who I am as a person, who right. other people are. That's the, like you were talking about when you're, when you meet some like uh, an actor, some big name that maybe should freak you out. Mm-hmm. You just understand everybody is stressed, goes through yeah. these same questions. Everybody's wondering who the hell they are. And half the time, they might be even freaked out to meet you. Um, Well, the other thing I've realized is whenever you do these interviews in particular in this world, everybody's kind of on their best behavior anyway. So there's nothing to be worried about. Oh, I heard they're kind of hard to work with or whatever. You don't have to deal with that usually in those situations. You know, now there's things they're not going to want to answer. Yeah. You know, that you should just know, let's not talk about that. You know, that's when you're going to get their bad side. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But for the most part, you know, you're going to catch the good side of them because they know you're promoting them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's what's taken down some of the pressure for me. And it's it's helped me a lot doing this show. I've been doing the show since like 2013 to 14. Wow. And and because I was on another network before I did like 10 to 12 episodes on that. <clears throat> and so. 
what I what I was saying was, it allows me to be able to go into any meeting, and I'm never, never. I had a huge meeting with one of the biggest showrunners in the world on Thursday, and was there for four hours. Oh, you know what I mean? And it was we we just started chopping it up. You know, we just had a ball talking to each other, you know, and enjoying and we had things in common and we knew a lot of the same people and, you know, whatever. And um, I wasn't even remotely nervous driving there, going there, walking in the office, shaking his hand, like sitting down. I just was me, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from doing this because I'm so used to talking to people. So I'm never worried about what am I going to say? What am I going to do? How am I going to? I'm listening. If you listen, you'll find things to say. Yeah. You've been at this for a long time, though. How was it when you first started? I mean, was that more of an adjustment for you at that? And this is just taking over time or? I think when it first started, I had Lisa on. I don't know if you remember in the episodes with her, but it's she's she's really got a gift of gab, too. So I kind of do, too. So it wasn't that it wasn't that difficult. What was more hard to figure out was rhythm you Mm. know what i mean um process how do you wind things down like you know i mean those were the things i had to learn yeah you know what i mean like the spiel i say at the beginning was something i just spitballed one time and was like what did i say again (laughs) you know what i mean and i was like let me write that down yeah (laughs) you know there's little little shit like that so like i still just have it by memory i don't i'm not reading anything yeah. You know, and that's why I'm sitting there going, what's the line again? Because <laughs> I really forget. How about though, like when you were going and taking meetings and mm-hmm. things like that outside the podcast, you know, when you were first, uh, I, I know a little bit about your story and everything, mm-hmm. but you know, when you were first cracking in and getting your first big meetings and things like that, was that an adjustment for you? Was that like a nervous experience or were you? Yes. Uh, but not like nervous, nervous, just more yeah. so like, here's the problem. And I tell this to writers all the time. <clears throat> especially when you're more emerging and this is writers, actors, producers, this is everybody. When you first start getting big meetings, what you don't know is you think all meetings are going to turn into something. That's why you're nervous. You're like, Oh my God, this person could change my life. Yeah. Oh my God, this person can hire me. They can give me a job. Right. Instead, what I've learned is the thing that I always try to tell actors in particular, because I used to be one is don't go on the job trying to get the job. This is going to sound crazy. Just hear me out. <clears throat> what I mean is go on the go on the audition to kill the audition. Hmm. Because nine times out of ten, you're not going to get it anyway. And I know that sounds crazy. It's just the law of the, the business. The reason you don't get it isn't because you're not good. It's just because of a minute situation. They needed another name. The other person had more, you know, followers than you. The 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 the, the actor who's going to play the lead is taller and you're shorter. It's stupid reasons. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> you looked a little too young to play the mother of somebody. Right. It's little shit like that that you just don't. You think you could, but compared to the person we already cast, you can't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It doesn't. You know, whatever. So it's little things. So what I'm saying is. I figured out that if you go on the audition to kill it, you put in my head as the as the producer who's sitting behind the the, the desk watching you come in audition to go, man, I would have loved to cast Brian in this, but you, oh, episode three, we got that other thing coming up. Oh, we got to bring him back for that. Yeah, that's the thing you don't know. 
right? So now that I know that, having been on this side as a producer, I walk into meetings going, kill the meeting. You may not, they might not buy the script you're talking about now, but you kill the meeting, they're going to be going, we got to bring Hillary back for this other project we have. Yeah. That's how I'm more relaxed. I'm not trying to get the job, so I'm not sweating. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just being me. I'm just doing my thing and talking about the things that I love or whatever. And when I hear them talk about projects they have coming up, I'll say toward the end, so good meeting you, Baba. But when you guys get to that thing, let me know because I don't know if I told you the story. And I'll give them a little story. Uh You know what I mean? It's always something in my past. When I was six, dude, my mom used to do this thing. Imagine if that was the character and such and such as that. Just throw, just to think about that. <laughs> and then I'll be like, well, thank you, man. You know what I mean? And I leave it sitting in their head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that when they, the next thing I know, two or three months later, hey, Hilliard, uh, we're working on that project. All the time it happens. Wow. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, but I, it took me a while to figure out how to do that. But having been a, an actor in the past, going to auditions trying to get the part, right? And having been a producer, Understanding why you don't get the part made me figure out the middle ground and how to get the part. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to be said too about subtleties that maybe just even mm-hmm. consciously none of us as humans are really picking up on. Right. But when you go into a meeting not giving a shit, you know, it ups your confidence. You know, you, you go in comfortable and present better and people just I see it in whether it's a meeting or sometimes dating or any mm-hmm. of these kind of things. Usually the person that kind of goes in with nothing to lose and you know, they're, they're, they're chill about it because they, they don't care. That's usually when things start working for, for that person. And yeah, I, I, I find that that kind of helped me a lot, you know, with when you do a startup and everything, talking to investors or whatever, you get a lot of no's and it's, you know, when you just go in and you're like, look, you don't take it personally. You know that these investors have, you know, mm-hmm. a thousand things being pitched to them all the time. Right. You just go in and go, all right, no, fine. That's great. You know, they're not, they're not making a shot against you, your identity as a human being mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and I think when you start to think and just know that everybody's flawed, everybody's dealing with their own stuff right. and you can just kind of relax. And ultimately, I think one of the things in life is if you can just do your best, but not care about the result mm-hmm. so much, that's a huge boost. And, but see, there's, <clears throat> you have to be careful with the way you say don't care. Let me just preface that. Because people, like, people have a don't care attitude and they're like, oh, I don't care. No, that's not what we're talking about. True, yes. What we're talking about is don't care in the sense of, of I'm going to lose everything yeah. if I don't get this. There's a difference, right? Yep. And there's also a difference in confidence and arrogance and whatever because when you give a I don't care, you roll in arrogance. That's right. When you roll in I don't care because I feel good about myself or I feel worthy about myself. There's a difference. I just wanted to put the layer out there because people will hear it be like, what Brian said, no, it's not what, what he's talking about. No, <laughs> Clarity. It's a very, very good nuance, yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The nuance is, is really important um, because there is, I've watched you many times in our meetings with, you know, some of the biggest showrunners, writers, directors in the world and your um um, advisory board, mm-hmm. huge, huge. Everybody knows their names, right? And you have to run that meeting. Yeah. And you run it with confidence. Oh, thank you. No, you do. I wouldn't have known that you had this problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the past. And it's still something in you, but here's what you've embraced. 
Nobody knows this better than I do. And when you roll in that, what do you have to fear? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. Nobody, even Scott can talk to it the way you can. He can't. Yeah. He could talk about some creative stuff, but he can't talk about the other details. He can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where your strength is. And when you know that, you roll in strength. And that's mm-hmm. how I roll. Anytime, whatever I'm doing, I'm like, well, I know this about me and I know this is how I can help this producer. Yeah. So no matter who comes in after me, I'm going to put my stamp on why I'd be the best one. And that's it. Yeah. And you walk out the fucking door, you know, or 